0: Well, happy Mother's Day, and uh, all you moms out there, I hope that you're having a great day. Hopefully somebody made you breakfast, you didn't make it yourself, and man, if there was ever a time for us to be reminded of how special moms are and how much we need them, it has been during this COVID-19 shelter-in-place time that we have all been living in. And, and so I hope that you're having a special day to day, Moms. And I want to have a time of prayer for you before we get started uh, today. Uh, and at the same time, I also am not, it's not missed on me that there are individuals that are on the other side of this screen that this is a very hard day for you. Uh, maybe you've lost your mom uh, in the recent months or years. And so this is a difficult day for you. Maybe. Uh, you desire more than anything else to be a mother. And, and that has not happened yet. And so I, underst- I, I, I can understand that this would be a very difficult day for you. And so I just say that uh, to remind us all that we can be on different spectrums with emotions when we approach this day. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you moms. I'm going to pray for those who, who this day may be a day of grieving. This may uh, be a day that, that has a tendency to turn up certain emotions in you. And so I, I want to pray for you as well. So let's just begin our time. Let's go to the Lord and, uh, and let's go and pray to him. God, I pray that you would just give the moms that are on the other side of this screen, that are part of our church, that may be across this country, that are tuning in. Lord, I thank you for the mothers that you have placed in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the mother that you placed in my life. And God, I just pray that you give them a special, special day today. Lord, we also understand that there are individuals where uh, this is a difficult day. Maybe someone's mom was absent, and so this is a day reminding them of what they've missed out on, Or, or this is a day that reminds some of what they've lost, of who they've lost. And then for others, Lord, it's just a reminder of what they desire more than anything else. And so God, I thank, that, thank you that you are a God who ministers to where we are, regardless of where that may be. And so Lord, we just want to pray and we want to thank you uh, for the moms. And we want to thank you that, that you know how to minister to us regardless of where we are. And Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. And Lord, as we get into your word this morning, we know that you're going to speak. We say that when your word is open, your mouth is open. And so, Lord, we're ready to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if this is the first time that you have tuned in, uh, we are glad that you are here. And we have been walking through Psalm 27 in this series entitled Heart of a Lion. In other words, how do we live courageously in a chaotic world, knowing that we're in the midst of just chaos, regardless of what that may look like for you during this COVID-19 crisis pandemic that we are in? How do we live courageously in the midst of chaotic circumstances? And so we've given this definition for heart of a lion. It's this, It is living with a courageous confidence in the character of God, who He is, and the competency, what He can do in all circumstances. And so we find ourselves today in Psalm 27, verses 9 and 10. We've been working as a church in memorizing that. I hope that you have been working on that, regardless of what verse you may be at. I hope that you have been committing these verses to memory And I know I have, and I'm about to quote verses one through eight, where we've been up to this point. But there was a couple questions that we laid out last week that I just want to share with you. And thank you if you participated in that survey. First question was, which emotions are you struggling with the most right now? And it was interesting. We gave fear, we gave discouragement, uh, we gave anger, and then we had an other. And it was interesting that the things that were the greatest as far as the people who filled out that survey and the results was discouragement and then other. And other, you had to write that in, was frustration, anxiety, change of plans, indifference. And so what we're going to look at today is going to speak to those things, just as what we've looked at through one verses 1 through 8 has. And then the second thing was what area do you feel like you need to be more diligent in? And the two top two answers for that was reading, engaging in God's word on a daily basis, and the second was memorizing scripture. And so I hope that if you answered one of those two questions, and that was you, that you have been diligent in coming up with a plan on how you can do better in those things, so that you can grow in a greater way in having the heart of a lion in the way that we have defined it. But let me start with verses 1 through 8. So here we are. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I desired, desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above mine enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Now we find ourselves in verses 9 and 10 that says, Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help cast me not off forsake me not o god of my salvation for my mother for my father and my mother have forsaken me but the lord will take me in What tremendous verses there in verses 9 and 10. I mentioned last week how verse 7 starts a shift in this psalm to where verses 1 through 6, David's reminding him of God's character and who he is and and his competency. But now we come to verse, we make this shift in verse 7 that continues on through the rest of this psalm where David is now praying to the Lord. He's taking his emotions to the Lord in prayer as he reminds himself of who his Lord is and what he can do. And so you see just David's heart there in verses nine and 10. So here's the title of the message today. It's this, where, it's this question, where is your self-worth? Think about that. Answer that question for you. If I was to ask you, where is your self-worth as a person? How would you answer that? Because here's the idea that I want us to get out of verses 9 and 10 of Psalm 27. It's this, that a heart of a lion finds its self-worth in Jesus Christ. That that's where our strength comes from. Webster's Dictionary defines self-worth this way, a sense of one's own value as a human being. So let's think about David for a moment. Let's think about The accolades and accomplishments of who David was. So, David was a gifted musician. Obviously, the majority of the Psalms are written by David. David was a gifted musician. David was skilled in his occupation. He was a very skilled shepherd. He was very skilled with the tools that he had, his slingshot and other things. He was a mighty warrior. He was a a mighty warrior. He killed Goliath and he continued on his escapades for King Saul. He was a mighty warrior. David was going to be the next king. He was anointed king at the time that he's writing Psalm 27. So David had tremendous accolades at this time. He had tremendous talents. He had tremendous giftings. But what I love in verses 9 and 10 is we get to peer into David's soul and see his emotions. Do you see it there in verse 9? Look at it again, verses 9 and 10. His emotions are revealed in these verses. You see his struggle. You see his humanity. Because after all, David was like you and me. You see his struggle to trust the Lord, that he is in control in spite of. David not being delivered from his chaos, despite David running for his life from King Saul, who wants to kill him. Can you see that language there? He's literally saying, Lord, you haven't answered me yet. And so he's jumping to this conclusion, Lord, I want to make sure you're not hiding your face from me. I want to make sure that you've that I've not done something to anger you. So you see his emotions there, and it makes me think and be reminded of this reality that where you look and where I look for self-worth will affect the strength that I possess, the strength that you possess in chaos. So wherever I'm looking for self-worth will determine, will affect me experiencing strength in the midst of my chaos, but get this, also in my calm. It's not just in my chaos, it's also in my calm, because where I look for self-worth will provide me with strength, but it will also provide me with stability. And so what I want to do in our time this morning is I want to give you three things that you need to say to yourself in regard to your self-worth. Because one of the things that I know is some of the things that you may be placing your self-worth in up to this point have been taken away because of what we have experienced in the coronavirus. You could have lost your job. You could have lost all of your investments. I mean, I don't know what that may be. You could have lost a loved one. And so your self-worth could have been tied up in some of those things. And so you find yourself now, and I wonder if that's not where your discouragement is coming from. I wonder if that's not where your frustration is coming from or your anxiety or your feeling of indifference based on the survey that we filled out last week. And so I want to give you three things that you need to say to yourself in regards to your self-worth. Here's the first thing. It comes from the beginning of verse 9. We just read it. I have self-worth because Jesus Christ provides me with, number one, his acceptance. Like you need to say that to yourself that I have self-worth not because of the talents that I have, not because of the occupation that I have, not because of the money that I have, not because of the I I have a husband or I have a wife or I have children. No, no, no. I have self-worth because Jesus Christ provides me with his acceptance, Look at what David says. He says, hide not your face from me. He says, turn not your servant away in anger. That word turn literally has the idea of extending your arm. So it's literally like, Lord, don't stiff arm me. Don't push me away in anger. Here's here's what we know. In our world today, man, we experience a lot of rejection, don't we? I think one of the greatest fears that we probably have is rejection. We're afraid to be rejected. I mean unfortunately we live in a society today where parents reject their children, children can reject parents, husbands can reject wives, wives can reject husbands, we can be rejected by those that we thought were our friends, we can feel rejected by potential employers because we're applying for this job, we think we have all the skill set, they say no, we feel rejected, we can feel rejected by people that we're dating and a relationship ends, you you may feel rejected because man there was this girl that you wanted to ask out and you took the leap of faith and she said no and so you feel rejected you know i was thinking about this idea of of david struggling with feeling feeling rejected by god because god hasn't intervened yet in his life and it made me think of man times of rejection like i remember when i was in college and this was before lori let me let me preface that Uh, and you know you're wanting to date and i remember like you know guys just so you ladies know guys are afraid of rejection and and you're you know i remember there was this girl that i wanted to ask out and i was building up the courage to do so and i did it and you know what she did she rejected me and so we're all afraid of that rejection i mean that's a silly illustration but nevertheless it's a real feeling we're all afraid of that but i want you to understand this i want you to grasp this, that God does not offer rejection to you. He offers acceptance. God is not a God who wants to reject you. God is a God who wants to accept you. You're like, well, Johnny, how can I be so sure? Well, can I just lay out some passages of scripture here that is going to allow God to speak for himself rather than me try to speak for him or you try to speak for him let's allow God to speak for himself to show you that God wants to accept you not reject you Ephesians 2 verse 1 says this and you and you is you and also me and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, among whom also we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So what is Paul's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus? What is Paul saying? He's saying, before Jesus Christ, before I place my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. I am, I am deserving of God's wrath on my life because of my sin, but thank the Lord it doesn't end in that verse. Verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Why do I take us to that passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2? To drive home the reality of what I just said, that God does not offer you rejection. He offers you acceptance if you will see him as your Lord and Savior. See, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've done that, you are accepted by God. So those emotions that you may be feeling right now that are telling you otherwise, what does the truth of God say? Romans 5, 8, and 9 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love verse eight of Romans five because it says, at my worst, that's when Christ offered me acceptance. Verse nine, since therefore we have now been justified, in other words, made right, We've been declared righteous before God by who? By his blood. Whose blood? Jesus' blood. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Much more shall we be saved from what? From the wrath of God. What is David concerned of in verse 9 of Psalm 27? He's like, Lord, are you angry with me? Is that why you haven't intervened in my life up to to this point? And you haven't caused King Saul to stop trying to kill me? Are you angry with me? And you can oftentimes feel that way. Lord, are these things coming into my life because you're angry with me? If that's a thought for you, you need to stop and say, no, 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 no. God's wrath has been poured out on Jesus Christ. He is the substitute for my sin. 1 1 John 4, 9 says this, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. Here's the gospel in four words, and if you call Salem Chapel your home, home, you've heard me say this before. Jesus in my place. That Jesus stepped into my place to take on God's wrath on himself so that I didn't need to experience that. He paid for my sin. He did what I couldn't do. uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says this, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I make a point to go through all of these verses? It's because of what I said just a minute ago. You, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, are never, can I repeat that? Never turned away in anger. God is never going to stiff arm you. God is never going to say, I don't have time for you. God is never going to say, don't bother me with that. God is never going to do those things because of Jesus Christ. What do I have from God? I have his acceptance. But like I said, oftentimes when we're going through chaos and we're going through difficult circumstances, our first conclusion that we want to jump to is, man, God's angry with me. Man, God's just up there waiting to throw down the lightning bolt. But can I remind you what Jesus said on the cross? What did he say? He said, it is finished. It's finished. And any thought or feeling that you have that that wants to cause you to think that you're not accepted by God that God is not listening to you, that God is not there for you, any thought or feeling that says otherwise than what Jesus says it is finished is from Satan. It's not from your Savior. And if I'm going to have true self-worth, If I'm going to have a healthy self-worth that gives me strength and stability in the midst of chaos, then I have to say to myself, I have self-worth because Jesus Christ provides me with his acceptance. Here's the second thing. I have self-worth because Jesus Christ also provides me with his provision. Look at the second part in verse 9. David says, you have been my help. The same Lord that extends his hand to provide you with blessing is the same hand that provides help in the midst of chaos. The Lord's hand is extended to pick you up, not to strike you down. Did you hear me in that? that when the lord extends his hand it's not to slap you or to strike you down it's always a hand that is extended to help you and look at what david says look let's let's pay attention to every word that's found here because david says oh you who have been my help he doesn't say oh, you who will be my help, though obviously that's true, but David is saying you have been. What is he doing? He's remembering what is true of the Lord. Do you remember when we were dealing with verse six? He's reminding himself of God's faithfulness. He's reminding himself of the melody of his song. God's faithfulness but he's also reminding himself of the experiences that he has had in the past to remind him, God, you are my help. You are my provision. God, you've given me ammunition. You've given me uh, experiences that, that that testify to that reality. So what is David doing? He's reminding himself of the melody of God's faithfulness, but he's also reminding himself, as we talked about in verse 6, the harmony, the circumstances that coincide with the melody. And he's preaching that right now to his emotions. Beginning of verse nine is all David's emotions. And this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm struggling with, but what does David do? No, 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 he preaches God's provision and God's acceptance to those emotions. Psalm 77 is another great psalm. It's not written by David, but it's actually written by Asaph, who was basically, to put it in our context, he would have been the worship leader for the children of Israel. And even in Psalm 77, you get to see the emotional struggle that's true of Asaph, much like what we're seeing in verse 9 of David. This is what Asaph said. He asked this question, has his, the Lord's love, forever ceased? He's feeling like it has. He asks this question, are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, in anger, shut up his compassion? And then he says, Selah. And whenever he finds Selah in the Psalms, it literally means to stop, to contemplate. So he's literally asking these heavy questions. And as you see Psalm 77 right now on your screen, you may be even asking those same questions. But I love how Asaph answers the questions. Look at verse 10. He says, then I said. You're like, well, who's Asaph talking to? You know who Asaph's talking to? Himself. Asaph is conducting a little church service in his brain and he's preaching truth to what he feels and what's the truth he says i will appeal to this here's what i'm going to remind myself he says to the years of the right hand of the most high verse 11 i will remember the deeds of the lord yes i will remember your wonders of old verse 12 i will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds Listen, if we're going to have self-worth that gives us strength and stability, then we have to tell ourselves, I have self-worth not because of what I do, not because of what I make, not because of what I have. No, no, no. I have self-worth because Jesus Christ provides me with his provision. He's my help. And listen to me, every day you need to reflect and ask yourself this question. How has the Lord shown his provision for me today. I've shared with you, I've had to be so much more disciplined in that than I have had to be before, we, before this COVID-19 hit. Remember, if you were tuning in during this whole series, I showed you a picture right by my bed of the things that I'm reminding myself of at the end of the day of who the Lord has shown himself to be. Why? Because I need to be reminded That my self-worth is in Jesus Christ and he is my provision. That that's what he gives me. And the Lord's, get this, if you don't write anything else down, you need to write this down and it's not on your screen. Write this down. The Lord's provision for you will never contradict his acceptance of you. Did you get that? The Lord's provision for you will never contradict his acceptance of you. That's so important. His provision, the Lord's provision for you is not going to contradict his acceptance of you. No, no, no. It's literally going to validate his acceptance of you. And that doesn't mean that we won't go through difficult things. That doesn't mean that we won't experience loss. But the Lord always provides in the midst of that. Listen to me, if God took my life today, not that I would want that, not that my family would want that, But his provision in the greatest scheme of things is that I know that if, when I leave this life, however that may happen, that I will be with Jesus Christ forever in heaven for all of eternity. And that provision from Jesus Christ is what gives hope to those who love me who I will leave behind. So even in the worst of circumstances, The Lord's provision rings true, but his provision will never contradict his acceptance of you. Here's the last thing. The the third thing that I need to say to myself, I have self-worth because Jesus Christ provides me with his protection. His protection. Look at the end of verse nine. Look at the emotions there. David says, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Verse 10, for my, mother, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. What are David's emotions and circumstances telling him right now? Well, look at, look at this passage of scripture. He's, he's afraid of being cast off by the Lord. He's afraid of being forsaken by the Lord. He's even afraid of feeling forsaken by his parents, We have nowhere in the Scriptures that tells us that David has been abandoned by his mother and his father. But that's how David is feeling right now. Remember, he's been separated from everyone. But what's the truth? What's the truth that David reminds himself of? Because these verses don't end with forsaken me. What does he say? But, you ought to circle that word but. But the Lord will take me in. What is he saying? The Lord will protect me. The Lord will protect me when I feel like everyone else has cast me off. The Lord will protect me when I feel like everyone else has forsaken me. The Lord will protect me when even those that I love the most, that are supposed to love me the most, have literally rejected me. And the Lord will protect me. And man, it's sad, but our self-worth can be damaged because there's been points in our lives where we were not protected by those that should have loved us the most. I'm not naive to that. It's not lost in me that there are many on the other side of this screen that can relate well to verse 10, where you're like, man, I didn't have a father. I didn't have a mother who I felt like protected me. They could have been completely absent. You may not even know who your father is. And you may not even know who your mother is. and That's a, that's a tremendous deal. It's a heavy thing. You may have memories where you're like, man, my dad didn't protect me. My mom didn't protect me. And man, what a great couple of verses for you to commit to memory. But I want to remind you of this truth. And it's what David does. He says, even though that's the way that I feel, the Lord will take me in. I have been given because of Jesus Christ, his protection. That's the truth today that God wants you to hear. Because the Lord... The Lord is not the reflection of your earthly father. He's the perfection of your earthly father. If you call Salem Chapel your home, you've heard me say that before, but I want you to know that. That regardless of the emotions that you have had to work through in your life, regardless of of the 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 way that you not having a family and growing up in a family that get, has given you that love that you deserved if you didn't experience that listen it's easy to transfer those things onto the lord but the lord's not the reflection of your earthly father listen i praise god i've i had i have a my mom and dad are still alive and and they loved me dearly but in spite of that they're still sinful they still fail i still fail my kids and praise the lord that the Lord is the perfection of your earthly father, of my earthly father. And God loves you more than any mother or father. He wraps his arms around you. He holds you close. He hears you right now. He teaches you through his word. He wants what is best for you. He is writing your story He works the sinful things that have happened to you, to me. He turns them into good. And He will always, 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 He will always welcome you, no matter the hour of the day or night. He's your protection. My self-worth is in Jesus Christ. Not what I do, not what I make, not what I've done. It's in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 15, and 16 says this, "...for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear." Where our fears often lies. Man, I'm not accepted. I'm not going to be provided for. I'm not going to be protected. But Romans 8 says, no, 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 you haven't received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear because we can be enchained and enslaved to those thoughts." But it says, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are no longer defined by your sin. You're defined by who God sees you as through Jesus Christ. You're a child of God. You now have a heavenly father who we can say what? We can cry, Abba, Father. We have the right, because of Jesus Christ, to call the creator of the universe, Dad. It says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What's the significance of that? Because there's gonna be times where I'm gonna doubt that I'm accepted by God. There's gonna be times that I'm gonna doubt that, I can, that God's gonna provide for me. There's gonna be times where I'm gonna doubt that I'm gonna be protected by God. But what does the Holy Spirit do? What is given to me when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ? He's constantly affirming. He's constantly speaking truth to me. No, 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 you are a child of God. You are accepted. You are gonna be provided for. You are gonna be protected. And then the end of Romans 8, I love it, where it says, What then shall we say to these things, these amazing things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, he will, not, will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who's going to say that you're not worthy to be a child of God? It is God who justifies. God's the one that says you're innocent. Who is it to condemn Christ? Jesus is the one who has died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No! our Lord. Why do I read those passages of scripture? Because we need to be reminded today of what I said at the beginning of this message that of a heart, that a heart of a lion finds itself worth in one thing and one person only, and that is Jesus Christ. Man, I have self worth today because through Jesus Christ I have his acceptance. I have God's provision promised for me. I have God's protection promised for me. And when I'm relying on that, listen to me, I am the most secure person that you will ever meet. And so are you. But we need to remind ourselves this morning, if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, that this is where our self-worth is found. Because that's what David does in the midst of his chaos. And you could have been tuning in for every week we've been in this series. And you could say and affirm and say, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. But maybe for some reason for you, today is different. And you're like, man, I've been looking for acceptance. I've been looking for provision. I've been looking for protection and everything else other than Jesus Christ. And what the Lord is doing as Revelation 3 says he's knocking on your heart. And what this COVID-19 crisis has done for you, it's reminded you that your self-worth can only be found in Jesus Christ. And what the Lord wants for you is literally to call out to him right now and confess your sin and ask for God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And Romans 10, 9 says, you will be saved. You'll find something on the screen that's going to come up for you to let us know that you did that. We want to follow up with you. Give us that opportunity. But for the rest of us, man, man. Let's remind ourselves that our self-worth is defined by Jesus Christ and his love for us. We're accepted, we're provided for, and we are protected. Lord, we are here today to thank you, Lord, of what you have given us through Jesus Christ. Lord, that is where our self-worth is found. God, I pray that the moms on the other side of this screen would take that to heart for themselves and then model that for the children that you've blessed them with, that grandmothers would do that. Lord, for those who have lost a mom or, or, or didn't really have a mom present in their life, would they remind themselves, Lord, that you give them self-worth. But Lord, may we preach that to ourselves this week and in the weeks to come and even in the years to come. In Jesus' name, amen.